0: Hi everyone, this is Lou Meluso from RAM Radio, reporting from the Fort Smith Regional Art Museum, located in beautiful downtown Fort Smith, Arkansas, where we bring you the best in fine art exhibitions, art education programs, and exciting events. In our studio today, we're very fortunate to have Mr. Scott Hefley join us. Scott is from Kansas City and has one of the best collections of folk African-American quilts. These quilts are now on display at the Fort Smith Regional Art Museum in an exhibition called Bold Improvisation, Searching for African-American Quilts. Well, hi, Scott. Welcome to Ram Radio. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Scott, the quilt show that uh, you have put together for us here at the Regional Art Museum is so beautiful. I want to talk a little bit about that and how you came to collect so many wonderful textiles. Uh, But before we begin, I would like to maybe introduce you a little bit more to our audience, and perhaps you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background.
1: Oh, sure. Well, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in the suburbs, and went to undergraduate school in central Pennsylvania, studying chemical engineering and studio art and chemistry. After I finished there, I worked for Mobile Oil as a research chemical engineer for five years before I learned about the field of painting, uh, well, of conservation, restoring artwork, which combines my interest, studio art, hands-on art, with uh, the chemical sciences. And that's a field that requires A background and abilities in the chemical sciences hands-on studio art and art history anyway i found out about that thought oh my gosh that is so perfect for me and i applied to the graduate schools and they're kind of hard to get into but i did get in and changed careers and moved into the field of uh, painting conservation Then, after graduating, I moved out to Kansas City for my first job at the Nelson-Atkins Museum of Art and worked there for, gosh, 34 years before I retired last year. Wow. Yeah. Um, But that's sort of a background. So, you know, working at the Art Museum, I was completely surrounded by spectacular artwork day after day, and, and my job was to restore important things, and I worked on our Rembrandt, uh, our Caravaggio, our Bronzino, our Titian, our Sergeants, our church, you know, on and on. So every day during the day, I'd be uh, working with masterpieces and interfacing with museum people, then on the weekends i was out shopping for good old
0: stuff <laughs> <laughs> well well tell me scott uh, how did you get interested in collecting these particular types of of quilts well okay
1: um i'm a collector even early on my parents we would go on family vacations and would stop in antique shops as we drove you know uh, to a vacation spot And I you know was intrigued and then as I mentioned I grew up in Pennsylvania and and, uh, went to school at Bucknell University in central Pennsylvania and then I lived in Philadelphia for a while and Pennsylvania is very rich in antiques and quilts are one big thing there with the Amish oh Uh, I see yes and so I I became intrigued with quilts just in general and collected uh, your more standard quilts, although I really I couldn't afford Amish quilts. Uh, but, you know, I'd buy beautiful quilts, but not African-American. I didn't know anything about that area. Oh. And then back in the 80s and ni- early 90s, quilts were very big on the market. So antique dealers and flea market dealers would bring quilts into the marketplace, and they would be expensive because they were popular. But I found... Well, I discovered African-American quilts, and I don't know how I, I did discover them, probably just through, you know, looking for quilts and learning about them. And so once I discovered the styles and, you know, the exuberance of these quilts, I learned more about them, and then I started to chase after
0: them. I see. And when you were doing this, this scholarship on, on the quilts, what did you discover? I mean, what were the role of these quilts in African-American life? Well, maybe, you know, backing
1: up just a little bit, maybe I'll talk a little bit about what they look like and how they compare to your, as, I don't know, you could call them European-American quilts. Uh, you know, maybe making a comparison, European-American quilts, uh, quilts that are coming from an English or German or Scandinavian background Mm -hmm. to African-American quilts uh, made by African-Americans. Your European-American quilts that I grew up with, uh, you know, have squares that are very organized and carefully done in grid patterns and and repeated rectangular fashion. Whereas I found that the African-American quilts were just exuberant. They didn't follow exact pattern rules. They had a creativity uh, that included strong colors, often clashing prints, very bold in their presentation so that you really noticed them, and that is what caught my attention. Now, at that point, I, I was really fascinated with American folk art. This could sort of side into the area of American folk art, and it does, but I just sort of became enamored with them, and I just studied them further, really, in in the field, because there were no books on them, and people hadn't really focused on them before. This was back in the early 90s, and some of your listeners may know about the G's Bend uh, exhibition of quilts, uh, African-American quilts, that was shown at the Whitney Museum. I think it was shown in 2002. Mm. Um, And then it went to other museums It became very popular and all the big museums showed that show. Now, Gee's Bend is just a little small town in the South and the women living in that town, you know, taught their daughters quilting and uh, had their own style of of African-American quilt making. When the Whitney Museum discovered this sense of modern art, they were thrilled with it, and they presented it in their, in their museum. But I had been collecting African-American quilts, gosh, almost 20 years earlier than that. Well, not quite that long, maybe 15 years earlier than the G's Bend Show.
0: Hmm. Well, uh, you got in at the ground floor. <laughs> uh, you know, I noticed as I go through the exhibit some of the incredible – designs and symbols uh, and I'm sure they have some some unique meaning. am, am I correct?
1: Yeah there there can be symbols in, involved in the quilts, most usually religious type symbols or cultural symbols. You know quilts quilts are made well first of all uh, my collection that are shown here at the museum are quilts that were made for the bed. These are not art quilts. These were not made to hang on the wall. Now we have them hanging on the wall and they show a spectacular art, but they were made in, in households and within families for warming their kids or, or other family members. So these are domestic quilts. That's a real excitement for me to realize that these, and these quilts date, the earliest ones are the eight, from the 1880s. I have quilts from the 1880s through pretty much every decade all the way until about 1990 is my most recent quilt.
0: Boy, it's amazing.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the beauty is uh, they've been used in homes, and some of them have, you know, stains like anything. The, you, they've been around households for a long time, and uh, they're not all pristine, which is just fine with me because it that's part of the character and the warmth and, you know, the soul of a household. Mm-hmm. And that's what these quilts really relate to. You know, When you, the show is especially nice because you go into a, a suite of galleries and you're able to walk through, gosh, about 40 quilts and a few African textiles. And you're looking at quilts from 100, 130 years. And I've collected quilts from places in California, in Kansas City, in Pennsylvania, Chicago. Uh, I've i A friend and I went uh, on a trip through the South to collect quilts and outsider art and this was in the early 90s. You know these these quilts show have come from uh, really all parts of the U.S.
0: I see and are these quilts made in the same way with the same type of materials as traditional quilts? Well um, that's a good question and The answer is
1: not quite, because, you know, your African-Americans quite often did not have a lot of money. So a lot of these quilts are made from scraps, true scraps, Mm -hmm. um, uh, pieces of of fabric that uh, were left over from clothing projects, pieces of fabric. There are a couple of occasions where they, you could tell that the lady worked in a factory, like a, a uniform factory or something like that, and she was able to bring scraps from her work home. Your European American quilts, generally, you know, those households might often have more money, so they may buy new fabric. Even in the 1880s, 1920s, buy new fabric, and then it would have enough of that same fabric to do an entire pattern all out of the same fabric, whereas the African-American households, often having less money, uh, had to make do with what they had available.
0: I see. And when you're evaluating one of your Perspective quilt purchases, what are some of the parameters that uh, you're looking at as you decide if this is a quilt that you'd like to collect? Well, first of all, um, it's hard to find them. And
1: I mentioned that back in the early 90s, quilts were very popular in the marketplace. Martha Stewart in her magazine showed them ha- on laying on the back of couches, the general quilts. So Dealers, antique dealers, flea market dealers would bring quilts out and sell them. When I would be shopping, I would encounter a stack of quilts and I could look through it. and your more traditional European American quilts were more expensive than the African the rare African American quilt that I might find because the African American quilts had uh, this improvisation to the patterning, uh, the patterning, very bold colors and they didn't necessarily appeal to the general decorating sense of the Martha Stewart group. So (laughs) consequently, I was able to get them often for lower prices than your more traditional quilts.
0: Oh, I see. Lucky you. (laughs) You know, you mentioned that uh, the bold improvisation is one of the things that's interesting to you. and. I noticed that is the the title of your uh, exhibition. So uh, is this where that is generated? You know, it is. The quilts that appeal
1: to me have a a lot of visual strength. And often the pattern, rather than repeating the block identically across the surface of the quilt, like so many of the European American examples, they'll start with a a block and then improvise. Uh, and they'll twist it and change it and, and morph it around as they work across the surface of the quilt. And this, this often includes very strong colors. They'll often uh, put strong patterns next to other different strong patterns to increase the visual vitality. One thing that's important uh, that I, I find with these African-American quilts, a lot of visual motion as you stand back and look at them it moves your eye around the surface. And that's very much like a modern painting. You know, your painting artists are very thoughtful about how they control the motion of your eye as you look at their paintings. And these African-American quilts are very intent on visual vibration, visual motion. You know, they're very attentive to, to how the viewer enjoys the quilt. Uh, So, all that feeds into the notion of bold improvisation and what gets me excited. Now I might point out the quilts in the show are all sort of from that point of view. They're they're very bold, they're they're improvised in their patterning and so on. African Americans often would make very careful quilts like the european americans uh they may choose to make a very traditional european american style quilt and they had those capabilities too of course and in fact one time i bought uh oh gosh i think over 20 quilt tops from one dealer they were all from the same family and about half of them were very bold improvised uh and the other half were traditional patterns you know that said um Your African-American quilt makers could make quilts in all kinds of different directions, but the more bolder category is the one that I was most interested in. And one question you might ask, you know, okay, why did African-Americans sort of tend in this direction? And you have to remember that uh, quilt making, especially in the late 19th century, in the 1920s, 30s, 50s, 40s, whatever, this is home style stuff. This is where a mother teaches a daughter how to make quilts. And so there's a family tradition that's handed down and, you know, women, and I say women, men make quilts too, but mostly women, let's say, will work in groups. And so their, their, their cultural aesthetic is a tradition that is handed down from one generation to the other. And that's why, you know, there's a whole sort of avenue of these bold quilts.
0: Well, that's very interesting, Scott. I, I'd love to hear the, uh, the behind-the-scenes, inside story of of about these quilts and the, the tradition of how they were made. One thing you mentioned that's interesting is that they're very hard to find. And so I, I have to ask you, where exactly do you find the, these types of quilts? Well, a lot of my
1: collection came together back in the 90s when quilts in general were popular. Bueller on the marketplace. And at that time, as I said, there'd be a lot of quilts in a dealer's booth and I might by chance now and then find an African-American quilt. I've collected a few from eBay. You know, people know about that. Uh, I've bought some from friends who collected them and I've been able to buy, you know, from friends that were willing to sell me quilts that they collected themselves. Over the years, I've put together a pretty good sized collection
0: Yes, I can say. And we are so grateful that you are sharing them here with the citizens of Fort Smith. This is really a special treat. And as visitors come and view the exhibition, of course it's very impressive once you see all of these beautiful stark and bold designs hanging all at once in in the galleries. What Is the takeaway you would like visitors to feel after they viewed the exhibit?
1: First of all, let me thank you uh, for making this possible because I am so thrilled with how the collection looks in your galleries. It's a suite of galleries, uh, not a large space. Actually, my collection is even bigger than we could (laughs) show in your gallery. So I had to be careful about selecting the best of my collection. And then I was really excited to uh, shoehorn them into this space. And they're, they're tightly packed. But it creates a visual environment that is overwhelming. You know, I there's agree. such. Oh my gosh, there is so much color and action in these few rooms, and they're close, moderately close together. In especially in some places, you know, the takeaway is, first of all, to have, for people to have, you know, a new respect and understanding of this African American quilting art tradition, but also. Uh, just know there's a whole area of, of art that they may not know about, and they can come in to this show of African American quilts and learn, learn a lot. Their high-quality beauty, aesthetically very engaging.
0: I, I absolutely agree, and Scott, thank you once again. But that's all the time we have for today. Scott, I'd like to thank you for stopping by for the lively discussion. Well,
1: thank you so much, and thank you especially for hosting this exhibition. I'm thrilled.
0: Well, folks, that wraps up our show for today. But before we leave, let me thank all of RAM's members, donors, and corporate sponsors. They make RAM and this program possible. Our exhibitions are always free, so please stop by the museum and enjoy the galleries, and consider supporting our mission by becoming a member or a partner. Thank you for listening to RAM Radio this is Lou Maluso, the executive director of the Fort Smith Regional Art Museum, signing off. Until next time, I'll see you at the museum.